Welcome to NFP, the Non-Fungible Podcast, with your host, D. Klein. Hey, this is the Non-Fungible Podcast, NFP with D. Klein. Now proudly sponsored by the Koi Network, where you can mint atomic NFTs on-chain and get paid when your creations attract real traffic. Now you can find this podcast and you can dive deeper into blockchain trends on Cointelegraph magazine. Just go to www.cointelegraph.com slash magazine. My guest today is the artist Remo. Hey Remo, met you in Miami. Wasn't that amazing? Thank you so much for being here on NFP. Thank you. Thank you for having me on NFP. I think this is awesome. Absolutely. And I mean, great company from the list of uh, interviewees I've seen you do. It blows so, my mind the people I've had on this show. I can't believe it, honestly. So we're back in Miami. Better. Yeah. It we, yeah. just keeps getting better. It just better. keeps going up. So here we are in Miami. I got there a day before you because the reason was I'm in Alberta. Okay. So you've got to fly to Miami. It's a long effing flight. Don't worry about explicit content. You go ahead and swear if you want to. So anyway, so here we are flying from Alberta to Miami. It's a long flight. Okay. We had two stops. So it was an ordeal. Okay. So we get into Miami and that was the reason we came a day early. Cause it's like, okay, when we get there, we are going to be fried. So we uh, thought we'll book a hotel. We'll stay one day there and then we'll join up with everyone else the next day. Right. And it was lovely. The hotel was beautiful. It was downtown Miami, Brickell Avenue. Beautiful area. Very trendy, cool area. Lots of restaurants. So my wife and I had a great time tootling around that first day like a couple of lost dogs. Um, but, you know, there was a part of me when they were saying, okay, now everybody to the Airbnb. And I was like, oh, but the hotel's so nice. The nice. bed is comfy. It's nice. Yeah. It's private the pillows space. are perfect. Right, you know, and actually the pillows were perfect. That was a. I know. That's what I. I know. That's what I know. I often, <laughs> I often carry around a pillow with me when I travel, because especially if it's a road trip, because you know you don't know what kind of pillow you're going to get. But yeah. I knew there weren't going to be great pillows at the Airbnbs. But anyway, I wasn't going to carry a pillow. To the Airbnb Miami. pillows were mediocre. That is true. They were mediocre. I had to use my airplane things for, for extra neck support. like the neck thing yeah yeah underneath the pillow <laughs> see the the one at the hotel we were at the aka brickle which is i think it used to be a hilton and they're like re they're renovating it so it's 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 not finished there's still stuff that's under construction but lovely people and it was beautiful we had an ocean view anyway so we're in this hotel and it's like oh this is so nice right and then we uh it's like, okay, well, now we got to switch to the Airbnb. So we get the Airbnb. And of course, I mean, it's not a five-star hotel, right? It's a house. Um, so it was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this as much. But it turned out to be the best thing because we met you. We met all the folks from Koi. But we didn't just meet you and then go back to our hotel. We actually spent time in the evenings with each other, spent time in the mornings, having breakfast, all those downtimes where we're just relaxing, we're together. So it wasn't that feeling of being in a crowded space, but being alone, right? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, then you came to the Airbnb, right? And then you realize that it's actually quite nice to hang out with 
um, a bunch of other people and get to know people. Well, and it, you know, you get to know people differently when you're staying somewhere with them than if you just see them, say, at a dinner yeah. or so, at an event. You know, like you know, for example, you were there at that Valians event, weren't you? The one that was basically like a huge rave. No, no, that's the one I kept telling, get, getting told that I was glad not to be there because <clears throat> because uh, you couldn't hear anything and you couldn't do anything. So, so here you are. It's it's like okay, this was the first one, and it was like, oh, it's gonna be so cool. I'm gonna be able to meet people and chat with them and talk with me. There were a few people outside before that I was chatting with who were super into NFTs and I really excited to be there. And it was fun to talk with them. Like I've never met any of these people in real life. Some of them were like, Oh, I seen your work. And it was cool to actually connect with people face to face who are into this stuff. Right. Because this is my uh, first time doing that. Um, because of this whole COVID thing, I wasn't able to travel to the States before, but anyway, then you go into the place and it's just like, Right, and you're like, how am I supposed to have a conversation in here with anybody? Exactly, <laughs> it was insanely loud. Now I admit, it was a cool vibe when you first entered the space, and you're like, okay, this is cool. I'm in Miami, in some cool NFT rave with really neat people, right? Yeah. And so you get this cool vibe. But the funny thing was, Carolyn, my wife, and I, we get there, and we were the first there of the group, uh, from Koi and from Leylines and from everybody that we were with and uh, special shout out to Koi for making this happen for me. I'm so thankful that they invited me anyway. We're there and it's just Carolyn and me walking around with presumably a bunch of crypto bros there, I guess, you know, like, yeah, yeah. It was described to me as crypto bros. That, yeah. That particular night. Yeah. And so you're walking around and it's, I thought I recognized one person, but I wasn't sure. So I walked up and said, Hey, cause you have to yell. <laughs> yeah. Are you so-and-so? They're like, no. I'm like, oh, well, nice to meet you anyway. Yeah, so, like we did with Raven the other night. Who wasn't Raven? Correct. Same thing. So that was wasn't such she as was lovely though. When we joined them at that party. Uh, what was that again? Was that the billionaire zombies club? I think. Yeah. 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 She so, was a lovely just, person. Very friendly. Just to track back a second. So yeah, yeah, I think it's quite special. You know, us artists, we get quite anxious about going somewhere, and mm -hmm. you don't know any, you don't know anyone. The only people you know are from crypto Twitter. So really, you know, from the internet space. And I, I just mentioned it last night how wonderful it was to connect with people that you find yourself within the same family of pioneers because mm. when you connect with them it's a completely different experience than just talking to them on twitter so and so and you get to know people really well quite quite well on twitter but you know you don't really know them right mm -hmm. so meeting you face to face and meeting um you know al face to face and jeremy face to face and people i have only talked to on well i knew jeremy but people i only talked to on um twitter it just felt like this is it. This is the community that we belong to, and we are pioneering a new way um, of art and culture to come. Yes, and so, yeah. when you come to the Airbnb, and of course, yep. I was nervous about it as well. And, sure. And um, and I even thought you looked like the guy that I met the night before. So this is how I was trying <laughs> to. This is how strung out I was when I got there, and I only came from LA to Miami, but still, it was a you know, I, you know mask on the whole time and all that it's not a great way to fly and yeah. um i landed there and then two other guys got there after me and 
Um, they were from a company called Goldfinger or something. And Goldfinger, yep. The guy kind of looked like you, but he never did anymore. After that. And we never did You're have that final discussion. You're saying that Rob from Goldfinger looked like me? That's, well, no. What I'm saying is I got up in the morning and my brain... <laughs> And I met you the first, the first I see I what you're saying. You and I said, hey, no, we, you're saying, hey, I'm Darren. And of course, I don't remember names. But, and I'm going, hey, I'm Rima. No, we met last night, you know. I get it. I see what you're saying. He had a beard and glasses yep. and you had a beard and glasses. So that's all I probably remembered in my brain. Yeah, that makes sense. And then the next time I saw, and we didn't see Rob for three or four days because they were on a right. London schedule, I guess. So they were out all night, sleep all day. And then when they did turn up, um, I realized he looked nothing like you. <laughs> we never got to, because you kept saying, oh, I want to see what this Rob guy looks like. You said he looked like me, you know, and then that exactly faded away. Experience. By the time, yeah, by the time we finally saw them, that had faded away. Yeah, of course. And, um, yeah, it, it, and the funny thing is, um, you didn't look anything like him. <laughs> yeah, it is. I don't see a resemblance. So, okay, interesting. But no, you're right. When you're, you know, in those first moments meeting people, you it takes a while for your brain to cement those things. So, um, so anyway, I was just saying how it was. There was a quality to being there in that same space together that you don't get if you just go to a hotel, you exactly. know, and then you you come back and meet people at events. Because talking at an event, it's not the same. It's like hanging on out on a couch in the evening, just kind of recapping your day or. You know, laughing exactly. about silly things that happened, or and yeah, or swapping an Uber that wasn't yours. Or... <laughs> you want to explain the story to that? Uh, I want. I... It's hilarious, but we've got too many of these hilarious stories to explain. No one will learn anything. But Essentially, I'm... we both, us and some other people at the house, both called Ubers, and we got in the wrong ones. You and us got in separate Ubers. Yeah, yeah. Right? And uh, we were, like, going completely in the wrong directions. And when I get into the car, they're like, Remo? And I'm like, what? Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. And I get the car anyway. And in your yeah, car, they're like, you, Darren? <laughs> so he got into my one. My, I booked mine last, but they theirs, mine came first. So they thought it was theirs. So they jumped into theirs and took off. And then I jumped into mine, and he says, Darren? And I'm going, no. And he's like... <laughs> And they're both going to completely two separate uh, directions. And then he's like, and then I'm texting them manically, you're in my car. Oh, yes, I know. Reroute, reroute. So I reroute and everything's fine. And he's dropping. And then all of a sudden he turns around to me and the poor guy can't speak English. Turns around to me and say, they cancel. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, because my driver said, oh, it's okay. Just cancel it. And then we'll just work it out. Reroute, you know? yeah. And... <laughs> And I was like, oh, okay. This is the first time, because I live in a place where you pretty much can't get by without your own vehicle here. It's an urban sprawl of, it's a very sprawled out city. Yes. And uh, I'm not used to Uber. It's not something I use regularly. And so I just fucked up, basically. No, yeah, it was just, no, it was an easy mistake. It happens all the time, I'm sure. But it was quite funny and, and adds to the many <laughs> funny stories that we went through. But that one was a particularly funny one because we were both trying to get to a place at a certain time yep. and we got there in the end this uber driver was very nice and he dropped me off at the same place for free because he was picking someone up from there that so worked it worked out, out finally mean, yeah, yeah. Finally, we, fi I, finally my wife and i were actually going to get our uh covid tests in order to get back into canada and so she drove us through that whole place. which is we paid her some extra cash because of her troubles 
and which was another added stress to the whole thing of being in a place and you need to now go and get that before you go away and I have to say they've got it down to a very smooth operation though it was impressive I was stressed out about it but it was like boom 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 the whole process was oh yeah yeah yeah, no, it is Brisbane. I, even I even getting my... to the airport, all they did was say, okay, do you have these things? Yep, okay, do you have these things? Oh, actually, you have to answer a few more questions today because you just got here, and it's things like, do you have symptoms, blah, 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 right? And uh, and then it's just, it's all good. Like, it was really not much of a hassle. Well, um, lucky you got to the airport on time. I was <laughs> yeah. very late. <laughs> Why, what, who, got, who are you connecting with again i don't remember. i got on my plane one minute before it was taken off which is oh, actually shit. are you serious that is pro and that wasn't with too much <laughs> running it was more with walking really fast because you can't run because it's never cool well you got but, all your luggage too so well yeah i had a roller bag that was bad you know but of course when you're last on the plane they have to check that in which really sucks the whole defeats uh-huh. the whole purpose of bringing a carry-on <laughs> but anyway but um yeah the problem there was i mean i know no it was no big deal because i had a great meeting mm-hmm. with some wonderful people um which actually is what sort of drove my time a bit later but you know some cool projects might be coming out of it you know re some old band legacy bands or i now call them legacy bands um well let's talk about let's talk about you and where you've come from in the space because i think you have the longest link tree i've ever seen (laughs) oh there's two more usually usually uh, there's two link tree are you kidding me (laughs) there's two more going on there today Okay, I see. I think you had a whole other link tree. Oh, okay. no, yeah, it's going to happen probably. Like. I, I always, you know, spend some time before the show looking at people's links and what they're involved in, what they're doing. Yours is like, okay, there's no way I'm going to. It's like a Wikipedia, man. There's like so much here. It's incredible. You can just cut straight to Wikipedia and check me out there, but, I guess, but it doesn't have all my NFT stuff. So that You have a long history in, in the art space in general. Yes. So yes, yes. tell us a little art. bit. I mean, I know about you, but tell the audience about you. Well, I've been an artist for, well, I really would say all my life, honestly, but mm-hmm. I've been a professional artist since for about 30 years. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, it all goes back to primary school or where my teachers and we were talking about this the other day where my teachers would always choose me to do the murals on the wall or something like that you know and I remember painting a Leonardo da Vinci last supper for Christmas time because it was a Catholic school back then that I quickly escaped from but (laughs) um but I did get to paint that and that's a pretty daunting task for a four or five year old I can't remember and apparently it was really good and I can just picture it but I can't see it you know like perfect but i can sure. still sit, sit you know how you have echoes of it you have the yeah um, vague memories of it and apparently i did you this probably formed them in your mind it may not actually be what it looks like right yeah exactly and i have this memory uh, my cousin reminds me actually of this mural i did he came in to check out an old school crowd of us underwater ski de- ski diver and whatnot and this and that and every time people asked what you were going to do when you grew up I always said I'm going to be an artist. Everyone mm-hmm. else is fireman and policeman and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, but I never ever went there. Um, it was too illogical, those sorts of jobs for me. It was like um, <laughs> I just Actually, loved uh, drawing and whatnot. So yeah, I said the same thing as a kid. I said, I'm going to be an artist. Um, so does my brother. Know. 
and uh, it's kind of in depth in yeah, range. I, re I remember it, grandparents yeah. when I said that they'd be like, "Yeah, okay, but then what are you gonna do to make you can a do living? for money?" They yeah, asked yeah. me when I was four years old. This, like, yeah, I know, I know. Like, you think I need to be worried to when I'm four dreams. about my yeah. career, like financial implications? Yeah, they're already crushing your dreams at the age of four. This is well, I think they now. deliberately do it because they're like, "You got to get that idea out of his head when he's young." Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, so he yeah, doesn't yeah. pursue that. And that's one of the problems with the society with the generation before this generation. I think yeah. this generation are kind of um, enhanced to dream, and you can be what yeah. you can be the president if you want to be. Yeah. You know, that's the type of advice they're getting now. But when we were growing up, of course, in the seventies and eighties, um, our parents came from a more traditional. You've got to work to earn your money to pay your bills and your mortgage or whatever, and that's how it works. There's it no was other simpler, though. It was simpler, like. You think about it, say a generation ago, you'd go, okay, well, you go to school, you get your training in whatever, you get a job in that whatever, yeah. and that's your life. And then you go build it, you buy a house and, you know, with the white picket fence, exactly. kids, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like, but it's mon both mundane and mediocre. And, you know, when you've got sort of spark in us, like you and I have, mm -hmm. and many others, you, 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 the mediocre life just doesn't suit us at it's all. It's safe. It's safe. It's safe. Yeah. I rather, I rather, okay, so I'd rather be unsafe. Like for the last 30 years, I've never had, I've, well, yeah, I've never had a boss since I was a teenager. I've wow. been my own boss um, pretty That's much since huh. I left university and even before that. But the funny thing was, I mean, I went to art school in the 80s and then, and then um, through weird circumstances, I became a hairdresser because I wanted to hang out with my okay. best friend, which is the stupidest idea to get a job. <laughs> <laughs> but any, but and before that, I was a fashion designer. I had done a fashion okay. degree as well, and I was actually winning awards and getting in the newspaper as a cool fashion designer back in '84. And sometimes I wish I stuck with that, hmm. um, because I think to myself, well, maybe I would be, you know, your stuff uh, is perfect for fashion. I know. Well, I'm leading to something here. Okay. So, yeah, I, so I did this fashion design, but. And, um, and I got a job in the industry, but then they went out of business and then it was really hard to find another job. And, and um, I had already done art school because um, I sort of, I was able to get out of high school to do a vocational art school, which was perfect. Right. So I did that for two years. So I already had that degree. Then I went to do fashion and met some pretty high class fashion um, houses and worked for them. Um, then one of them that I was actually working for as a designer went out of business. So, and it, then it was really hard, not like these days you could be, be hired on Instagram because you're an influencer or whatever, because right. you wear really cool stuff. And those days you had to go door knocking and my, man, you know, it was hard. It was hard finding another fashion design job. So, so my, my friend, my best friend who I hung out with all the time, he was a hairdresser and then I could see the artistry in that. So I became a hairdresser and I was one of the first to, to graduate my four-year apprenticeship in two years. So that was wow. over in two years and I was a senior. And we invented, believe it or not, the extension as you know it today. Is that right? You yeah. never told me this. No, there's only so many hours in the day and night, right? <laughs> so I did tell Caroline though. So you can did ask you? Her, but yeah, because okay. someone You invented past. extensions. Yeah, and you know those hairstyles you saw the other night? I know what you're talking about, yeah. Uh, with the yes. um, like the, Raven, on only one party. Let's just drop some names over here. At the only one party, you know, the there was the leopard skin hairdo. And oh, him, woman, yes. And then when there was a woman with a flower sort of carved into the side of her head. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I 
kind of invented that style back in 1980. I did know about that. You told me about that. That's cool. Six. And I was doing spider webs and spiders, and some people would have big spiders on their heads and zebra, lots of zebra ones, you know, green and sure. black zebra, short hairdos and, and leopards, obviously, and all that sort of stuff. So it's that really actually, nice to that, see that yeah. come back in fashion. For sure. And that was a cool course, party, actually, hey? It was a cool party, party, but actually I want to make sure that, I mean, African-Americans have been doing this for way longer than mm -hmm. I did, but mm -hmm. what we invented was a system to actually attach these extensions to um and create them on caucasian i see guys and girls so and that became a huge hit and that was from a london salon that i worked in called baldy's and also an australian salon i worked in called uh, divine decadence we had a huge cadillac in the front okay. as a desk and that was cool so then anyway i had enough of that after i i went to new york um my cousin's in the music and film business and she was like um well we're going out tonight with steven spielberg like what <laughs> yeah the limo's coming up seven o'clock so you should be ready so that was no big deal <laughs> no big deal just a bit of pressure but you know a couple of days before i had just met alice cooper which was a guru of mine sure. and um through them and um and, and some other people i think gene simmons was coming through the building and whatnot i hadn't worked for him yet but um but we'll get to that and yeah, so this limo came and we went out with the actresses from um, not Harrison Ford, he wasn't there, but the, his his host, his um, co um, act, co actor. We went out with her, and <coughs> we had a night in town. This limousine, and at that point, I said to myself, "I need to be in films. <laughs> mm -hmm. This is just too much fun." Yeah. So I get myself back home to Australia, and I get, I guess, I quit everything. I quit everything i went back to art school and i did film and photography i said i did photography and fine art for three years and then i went to um victoria college of the arts to do film and tv mm -hmm. uh, for another three years so i got two bas over the course of five or six years or whatever that was um and in that time i already started uh, working with great artists that i admire still today like stella because that was got this guy that grew an ear on his arm and he 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 was already working with technology, melding, you know, merging with the body. He built a third arm that he could control with his brain waves and whatnot. And so what? I worked with him. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. You can look him up and you'll see all this. Did you say his name was stuff. Stellar? Stellark. 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 Yeah, a lot of people in fine art will, would know who he is. Mm. And one of my Probably teachers. One of my teachers um, was Howard Arkley. Unfortunately, he died, but he was a, mm. you know, a really brilliant painter and he would do these suburban landscape pop art graffiti style huge paintings in neon which is totally awful i thought back then but <laughs> but they loved them they were selling all over the world like i mean this guy was broke right up until he got discovered right mm -hmm. and when he got discovered he was going to la he went to venice biennale and then he died which was really mm -hmm. unfortunate and um and also I didn't receive my painting from him that he had sitting there waiting for me because he had passed away. And, and I'm upset about that because I would like to have had that still. Of course. Yeah. But I'm a multidisciplinary artist because I really I love to, you know, work on the intersection of technology, um, analog and mixed media. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and now we can do things that what we were doing back in the 90s 
and 80s, but with much more ease. The tools are easier now to use and faster. So you can do 2D animation much quicker now, for instance, like proper 2D animation on the desk. But, and you only can, you can do it with your DSLR. You know, back then you needed a film camera and this and that. And I know how to do all of that stuff. But this cuts out, you know, 90% of the hard slog. You just yeah. digital camera and it just captures everything one bit. The tedious parts of it. Yeah, the tedious parts are being, yeah, given to the equipment that we now use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and I was working on technology. Like, I think my first artistic computer was a Commodore 2600. And I can't remember what... And I was using kind of the first Photoshop, whatever thing, whatever yeah, it was yeah, called yeah. on that, and band in a box. So I was able to use start using MIDI and record many layers of sound and whatnot. So if you listen to my um, album that's minted on on um, OpenSea, for instance, that's you know that all comes from there. I listened and to it last those night. These come from there. You listened to it last night. Fantastic, and did it, it was, out because it's, you know it's, there was. It, you talked about it kind of having like kind of a trippy effect and it honestly does like by this part, I got to the second phase of it where it has more like the voice samples going on constantly. You know what I'm talking about? Obviously you would. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, it's just kind of created this space where you kind of feel like you're in the presence of all these stories or of different people's lives. And it was really interesting. I, I enjoyed this sensation of connectedness with you, but also with, you know, the broader, um, I guess spectrum universe, of you know, the spectrum. universe, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's no, what it I was, was really to, cool. It was really cool. Trying try to capture it comes in three parts on on OpenSea, but um, what's it called? It was, so people can look it up. It's called Monolith, mm -hmm. um, and it's on my Crypto Pops by Remo X Remo on OpenSea. Sometimes it's hard to find. Well, I'll put your link open. tree in the description for everybody. Yeah, so yeah, find you'll find it stuff. through through the link tree, and there's three parts to it because it's so long. It's two and a half hours long. Um, mm. And it's designed to bring you up, take, keep you there, and then bring you back down again if you listen to the whole three. Um, but, um, yeah, so that kind of led to that. And also the reason you feel that way is because I use psychoacoustic sound in a lot of the uh, – or frequencies in a lot of the Explain sound what that I do. Means. So psychoacoustic sounds, frequencies are these different neural frequencies that affect you physically basically mm -hmm. so there's one there's one particular frequency to make you feel love one particular frequency to make you feel energetic one particular frequency to make you feel relaxed and sort of mellow another one to make you feel sort of more creative another one to make you feel apathetic um so on and so forth so when you start mixing them together you can actually twist and turn someone's brain waves into the state you kind of want them to be um, and some friend, a friend of mine, we all worked together on this proprietary software, which you can actually now apply this technology. Um, and, and Frank Zappa's son is one of the guys, um, to the, to the, it's like a filter. I don't use a filter, but you, there is this filter now that you can just apply to, to music in general, any music be it radio commercials and obviously it works best on commercials tv all that sort of stuff and it doesn't change the song or anything it just turns it into this psychoacoustic wavelength that you want so you choose what one you want anyone to feel energetic from the you know from mm -hmm. the pump up pump your muscles up commercial then you'll use that one and this is probably possibly why a lot of people are you know buying stuff like 
pallets on because you know they use that kind sure. of stuff now these days um and i'm not sure people are aware of that but that's what's going on so yeah but, so there's um, there's elements there that we're not even aware of that are affecting our mood and affecting and you're just kind of laying that bare with what you're doing here exactly yeah yeah i'm not keeping that secret yeah no i want people to know how i'm doing that so uh, when they listen to the album they're aware of it and even them being aware of it you know you, you often look, have people look at you and say oh well, that's not going to do that to me and then they go and listen to the album and they trip out and they go oh my god i dripped out there you know <laughs> i think uh one i was working with one guy on twitch uh twitch and he was having a play in the background of the twitch mm -hmm. while he was actually doing his thing on twitch and it was a long Twitch show, and he started tripping out. The audience started tripping out, and he's just going, "Oh my god, this music is just totally." Now explain out to me when you say tripping out. I mean that can be a pretty broad term. Like when you're saying people are tripping out to this, can you explain what's happening? Yeah, um, they're just they're, they're, their brain waves, brain waves are being lifted to a, a different level, so they're sort of um, melting into their space in a way mm. without without you know with it without any harm coming to them but at the same time they get it's getting mellow it's almost like this they might be um smoking it's like they might have smoked a joint or something that kind right. of right i hear you i hear you i get what you're saying uh, it's not heavy it's just changes your state of mind so the guy went from like full-on hi this is twitch blah blah, blah to Wow, this is really cool. Now I'm going to do this. And, <laughs> like totally uh, I'm putting down. this. And... <laughs> so it just slowed him down and brought his heart speed down and all that. And that's actually happening also with my latest. You um, can use it as like a form of meditation. Well, that's, yeah. But if you read the description, which I'm sure you did. Um, I've read a lot does... of stuff, so I'm sorry it, it, if I don't it, read it. I'm just. <laughs> just... <laughs> It says that in the description. It's 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 designed for therapy, audio therapy, meditation, um, creative ideas, etc., and so on. It's all written there in the description. So, but that's interesting because that's crossing over to other things. My next art blocks drop, which is happening in the next couple of weeks, mm -hmm. we designed into it basically just to describe it because you're not seeing it right now, so it's pretty hard. But it's basically you're going to be listening to the blockchain and watching it dream. And what I noticed mm. during this week at Miami, when I was passing the um, passing it around to show people, while I was talking about it and while they were looking at it, they all just went into this uh, meditative state while they were staring at it. And while I was explaining to it, I'm not even sure that they even heard me after the first three seconds, <laughs> because again, I'm using because the sound that it's generating is psychoacoustic. Um, frequencies which are affecting their mood and then immediately they are taken by it and it just draws you in and uh, yeah again like i say i'm not sure if they heard my explanation i know some people did and um al from koi was very interested in it and he told me he played with it for an hour or whatever in the backyard later which was really i love cool. i love how al is very playful with this stuff al for those who don't know alex morris is the ceo of koi and the guy's a genius. Like, um, anyway, of course he was there. And yes, he is a genius. His yeah. his playfulness is what fascinates me. It's constant playfulness with things, right? But that's yeah. what makes him great. Is he likes experimenting, and that's you he's gotta a, have that if you're gonna be successful in this space. Yeah, he's a creative coder, and I told him yeah. this just just before I left yesterday in this last meeting. 
creative coder that actually wants to get in there and, um, you know, not just code, but they want to find the fun in it yeah. and be and find the art in it. And he's constantly on the search for artists that are doing cool things that he may be able to plug in with or, or not, you know. Yeah. And he found this fascinating, which really, you know, um, was, he, a, was a great honor. really, you know, I don't know of anyone else who's genuinely passionate about genuine decentralization. Like, yes, it's, that's right. He's, he's the one. And I think he might be the person to be able to pull that off, you know, a young yeah. Elon yeah. Musk in the making. Um yeah. Anyway. So, so yeah. So this art blocks uh, project's coming out in a couple of weeks. So uh, you mm. know, my partner is DC Sam. He's online too, and he does a lot of the coding, and I do a lot of all the designing and mm -hmm. whatnot, and it just comes together to this beautiful piece. And each one of them, basically, the sound is uh, the actual signature from the. Um, from the mint so your mint has its own sound every single mint has its own sound and then you mm -hmm. can go in and play with the sound erase the the mint sound and create your own sound you can talk to it and you can tell it tell it your name mm -hmm. by via microphone or you can type um your name into it and then it will play those notes so it will play your name over and over again also visually you'll be able to see your name mm -hmm. created as a blockchain dream um it's called dream engine and it will be on Artbox in a couple of weeks. So that's my latest project that's about to drop, basically. Mm. But that's far from what we were talking about when I was back in the 2000s. But it, it does link up because that's when I learned how to layer this kind of music and create this kind of psychedelic feeling sensations in mm. sound by uh, layering stuff. Um, I think after the Com Commodore, I got, uh, I got into... Uh, Macintosh and I started using Photoshop from day one mm. so that's when so you are digital... a Photoshop guru I suppose so yes um, or at least OG so <laughs> so and um, some of my friends that they helped Adobe at that time I, I knew this family that like her father was um, doing face recognition software or something and he helped them with the Adobe program. So I was able to get early access to these things. And these things were not cheap back then in the no. 90s, man. 25 grand just for a computer. I know they're back up there, but they were not that fast. <laughs> they were slow, <laughs> right? So yeah. Um, so yeah, I started on Photoshop and that's when the di all of a sudden digital became um, accessible with the analog and I was able to bring in, you know, um, analog material into the digital world. I actually did do that on the Commodore because I was using cameras, analog cameras plugged into the Commodore. Okay. And, and actually, I might release that collection. I still have it. It's actually quite wonderful. The hmm. Commodore would break up the the, the, the camera would the Commodore would break up the colours from the camera into the red, green, and blue. Okay. You go, you know, move your hand across the screen, and you'll have a red, green, and blue screen if you chose mm -hmm. to do so. Um, so I did a hell of a lot of experiment with that. And I've got these great photos from back then. And one of them just recently won an award because so I thought I'd re-enter it into something to see if my work from the night, my early work still stood up to these days. And yes, a couple of them have that's, won. Wow. That's a test. Places. In fact, sure. one of them has been in the Louvre. Yeah. Is, that, uh, you, I was blown away with that. I was looking through and looking at all your stuff in the Louvre. And of course you did mention it to me too. Right. So, I mean, that would have been, an amazing honor to be a part of that. How did that happen? 
yeah, it is an amazing honor. And um, I've been in this space for a long time, I suppose, yeah, and done a lot of work around the world. I've been working globally for 20 years, so I've mm-hmm. done huge, and I work across the board, so I'm a visual artist, but I also get hired by agencies to create huge visual art campaigns for huge brands sure. and whatnot, like SK2 or MTV, Music Awards, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Red Bull, you know, Toyota, and then I'm also doing ads as well for cars and whatnot. And then I'm doing music videos like Donna Summer. Yeah, that was cool. I watched that. Kiss and oh, you saw that, yeah. Yeah. And Kiss and that's PG, by the way. I think I mean non-PG, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Kiss and Devo. Don't worry and stuff about that. Like that. You, you can go ahead and be not as non-PG as you want. Okay, cool. So <laughs> from all of that stuff that's out in the world. I mean, I just get this email one day saying, would you, you know, it sounded like one of those scammy emails. Yes. Like the one I sent you last night, which we'll yeah. talk about later. And, um, and I was like, oh, you know, we have a society, but SSNBA, right, um, or SNBA, um, we have a society of fine arts from France, mm-hmm. and we would like to invite you to exhibit in our yearly Louvre exhibition. See, now right away, I would be so suspicious of something like that. Yeah, Carousel de Louvre, I should say, because it's a the Louvre is a Louvre. You know, they don't put contemporary exhibitions in the Louvre, but around the Louvre they have these separate galleries which contain the contemporary artworks, yeah. and um, and they change them up every month or whether it was a month mm-hmm. or every week or whatever. So yeah, of course I was yeah, but I contacted them. I looked them all up on on instagram and everything and they were a true society they've been going for like 100 and now 63 years whoa they've had everyone in there from man ray you know some of my all-time uh, favorite artists you know renoir and um going back 160 years they have had pretty much everyone exhibit huh. in this this exhibition that happens every year for the last 163 years and now that is heritage i mean no i must say so i was invited i wrote back to them and said yes of course I, uh, i'm interested and um it just went in there and i was put into the illustrator section even though in a couple of instances i might have used i've been in i've been in the show three times now the next one it will be the fourth once you get invited once then you pretty much get invited every time and sure makes sense um yeah and they give out awards and whatnot and i've come i haven't quite got the award yet but i was this close with uh my astro skull um Mm -hmm. illustration Mm -hmm. um that would have been great to have you know this snba award on my wall but anyway that's that's all it's all fine it's fantastic being there they set up tables i'm there signing books and stuff and it's surreal it's really quite surreal and again i love your astro skull piece by the way that's just super iconic that's really cool yeah it hasn't been minted yet and um, but you do have merch for that right like i saw you had like a shirt with it and you had stuff like that on your oh on my website you can actually buy the original actually yeah 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 Compared awesome. to NFTs now, it's actually quite a bargain. I might have to go and revisit. You that. may have to adjust your price. <laughs> what you could do is you could mint it as an NFT, and then they get the physical. Yes, that's true yeah. too. Yeah, that right. maybe I do. So I haven't decided because it's actually a four-series piece. Okay. Um, with with Astro Boy, um, basically Astro Boy, yeah, yeah, and it's mm-hmm. the hand. 
touching God finger, and then there's the Astro Boy skull, and then the Astro, or Astro skull, and then the Astro Boy, which he's bleeding because he's really, you know, human man robot, kind of like your piece mm -hmm. you showed me of yours the other day. So, right, right, right. so that could be a great series, and I've been waiting to find the right place to put that as a mint. So, because these are my legacy works, mm -hmm. um, I find that. You know, it's really important for your legacy works, like something you did 10 years ago, like um, I did the first QR code, for instance, um, as a graffiti, mm. um, a graffiti QR code, I should say. I, I did the very first graffiti QR code, 2007 in Bristol. I minted that recently on a place called Minty. Um, uh -huh. art. You, you can get it. I did it because I decided that Minty.art was going to be my graffiti um, okay, I see. art workplace. And um, and there's a whole lot of stuff on there as well. But that was another first. And that wall that I painted it on was arranged by Banksy. So it all seemed very fitting. Um, and I think I did know at the time that it was going to be the first QR code mm -hmm. spray painted onto a wall at that mm -hmm. point. And then, of course, you know, about a month later, some British, uh, you know, company had graffiti QR codes sprayed all over <laughs> And they're like, you know, advertising ever. their thing. No, they they weren't. <laughs> funnily enough, they weren't. But because they can't, because my it, it's on the internet proven. Unless we can go back and find one earlier, which I right. haven't been able to yet. So, um, <laughs> so I don't think they did that. But I can't remember. But I do remember seeing some later and thinking, oh look, they must have seen mine and you know taken it from there, which is cool. So going back to the early days, and that is part, that's the mid-range, mid I guess, in 2007. Mm -hmm. I'm all, I always like to try to do first things that have never been done before, you know, creating. Totally. That's, that's that, part of the fun of it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Creating machines and techniques that might not have been used well, together. Well, and, and going, oop, that didn't work. Well, maybe this will work, right? And then, you yeah. know, when and it does some, work, it's awesome, it's, right? Yeah, exactly. Something completely different comes yeah. out of it. So, you know, I was doing VR in the 90s, you know. Um, yeah, like I said. VR in the name. 90s? How was that not, like, sickening? I mean, back then um, the frame rate would have been. No, frame rate was right. Oh, okay, it was just all blocks, pretty much. It was really okay. rudimentary. Okay. It would have to be. You know, your hand was a stick with five sticks. Okay, okay, okay that did not grip anything type yeah, thing. Kind of so, like those video games that were just with, what's that called again? Vector tracing or something like that? Yeah, yeah, basically, think, yeah, yeah. So it, was, it would just be, yeah, like kind of like that, yeah. And yeah, they're yeah. just one block. Each thing is yeah, one I block as opposed saying. to many polygons that you have now. Mm -hmm. It was very rudimentary. But it was a lot of fun um, being able to create something that, and enter it, you know, um, via vr and mm. that was you know, of course it was predicted to be a huge thing back then and it never did because the technology was not advanced enough and of course it's re-emerged now and it's fantastic but it still hasn't taken over the the space or the world like they even predicted back then which was, is interesting it's just become part of the yes you can now paint you know do tilt brushing um in in vr space which is fantastic by the way but um but it's not something that has taken over and mm -hmm. everything has to be done in VR, which is what they thought was going to be like back then. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is pre.com and everything. It's still before that. So then one of my lecturers told me, learn After Effects. 
because that's everything's going to be done on After Effects. Mm -hmm. So I was on an After Effects, I think two or three, mm -hmm. and of course I learned it, and um, I've never stopped using it since. So both Photoshop, I've used every single version of, and um, <laughs> and yes, it's way better now, by the way. And and After Effects, I've used almost every single version, and so so all this just comes into combination with what I do now. It just it's, it's just all accumulated to this, you know, starting on paper or paint oh yes what i failed to tell you was uh, during all this and in the 80s and 90s i was also a graffiti artist so i would be going out there painting on walls and stuff and it was a do-it-yourself punk style type thing you know mm -hmm. so everything was do-it-yourself you know you don't want to be spending you know two hundred dollars on a frame because you could just build it yourself and make an even better frame for instance just things like that and um or you could just use found wood and paint your piece on that and that's it that's the painting it's on the piece of wood and it's broken in the corner and it looks cool you know we were doing that stuff way back in the 90s and um and superheroes was worse big back then too believe it or not mm -hmm. as they've come back into the space again now as being big and stuff but we were painting them back then all abstract and whatnot all all perfect or sure. either way but very pop you know so it was yep. a it was a pop renaissance in a way or a um a post style started coming out of the 90s which right. we were part of um from there i also started directing because i had done films so i started directing short films and whatnot and um i kind of opened my own sort of agency in a way creative boutique agency which which covered every anything from campaigns to music videos to um films and and visual arts and photography um did a lot of australian bands music videos and whatnot and did a lot of um international bands too skunk and Anxi, um uh, uh, mr bungle yeah that was my favorite mr bungle that was great did like interviews with them and whatnot and started doing sort of documentary style stuff um and then gene simmons contacted me somehow and they <laughs> wanted me to <laughs> um, he's speaking in tongues to her, which was only happening in Australia. So that actually happened really quite by accident. And this was my first real big gig that was like, sure, oh, shit, I'm going to be huge. with Gene Simmons, right? So that turned out to be great, you know, um, travel around Australia with Gene. And then every time Kiss came to downtown, I ended up being their video, video videographer slash photographer. So I oh, got okay. two jobs out So you were like the regular guy for them for a while. For Gene, yeah, because Gene has his own guys and Paul has his own guys. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, it was a lot of fun. So, and what's interesting about that is when I was about eight or nine, I would look at these album covers of Kiss because I actually loved Kiss when I was a kid. Sure. And I would want to paint something like, oh, wow, wouldn't it be beautiful, awesome to create a album cover for a band like this one day, you know? Sure. And lo and behold, you know, 20 years later, here I am doing that. The, right. the, the photographs I took went on their album covers. Still to this day, when they do a greatest hits, they'll pull out my photos with every other, you know, lots of other. Which photos. was the first album that was your album cover? Um, oh, so it wasn't my album cover per se, but it went into their booklets and oh, I see what you're saying, whatnot. So it became part of the album. I get it, but, but it's still a dream fulfilled because of well, I didn't do the full album cover, but I did get in the album, yes, booklets and whatnot. So awesome. Um, and that was, but that was um, 
slip my mind for a second there. Oh, Symphony, Kiss Symphony, mm-hmm. um, 2003, when they came to Australia and they did the okay. Symphony concert. Yeah, and um, then they had this huge fold-out booklet. So when you open there, the album cover is just black. So, like, you know, this, <laughs> there's not much to the album cover. We're just Kiss Symphony with a blood drip. So, you know, it's not it's not high-end design on that one. I mean, they stopped doing those beautiful covers like Destroyer and whatnot yeah, yeah. and Love Gun back then, you know. Right, right, Never right, done right. another one since. So the, all the new ones are just black with Kiss on it and that's it. So yeah, yeah. better to have stuff on the inside, I think. I get it, I get it, yeah. I, I mean, I had lots of photos. It's in, like I made an album cover for Kiss. It's just black. Yeah, it's just black, yeah. <laughs> It's embossed on the side. Huge though. achievement. There's a slicker <laughs> emboss off the blood drip. <laughs> hey, you know, it's the album cover. Hey, I'm going to take a quick break a here. I, I got to get a drink of water. Do you want to take a break for a second? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. All right. I'll be right back. Hey, in cooperation with the Koi Network, I am presenting Atomic Zombies by D. Klein. You can find these at atomiczombies.io. We've got 10,000 zombies that will eventually be available, each with their own set of random generative characteristics. You can watch your zombies' characteristics unlock, emerge, and evolve as they receive more attention online powered by the Koi Network and proof of real traffic. Check it out at atomiczombies.io. Anyway, so we were talking about Gene Simmons and you doing work for Kiss and how you were a part of the, the album um, photos. Covers, yep, yep. So, yeah, so my childhood dream became an adulthood reality. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I realized that at the moment when it happened and I just thought, wow, you know, things that you want to happen when you're a kid can actually come to fruition, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So from that, that led on to, you know, more Kiss concerts. They came maybe four four times after that, or five times. And so every time I would get in contact with Gene or vice versa, and he would just get me, get me in to do the photographs and the video. The funny thing was, I never ever was supposed to be the photographer. I was only the, the video director. <laughs> the very on the very first job, we land in um, we land in um, Brisbane, and there's these Kiss girls. As soon as you walk out the plane, he's right, Remo, can you get some photos? He knew I had a camera. They say I brought my own personal camera, film back then. Yep. And can you take some photos? I'm sure, sure. Click, click. I start clicking. You know, he's hugging all these wonderful girls. You know, with the Kiss Gene Simmons makeup on. And I get the shot, and I know I've got the shot. You know when you've got the shot, right? Yep, yep. You just know it. I go, okay, I've got the shot, no worries. And he's like, no, 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 keep going, keep going. So I'm like, okay. So I keep snapping away. Film runs out. (laughs) And uh, and I'm like, oh, shit, film runs out. But he just told me to keep going. And and, uh, what am I going to do? (laughs) Exactly. So... I just keep clicking away, and I'm and, I, and every and after every five or so, I say, "Okay, I think I've got the shot." That was my line. I think I've got the. Sh- I know I've, I'm pretty sure I've got the shot, Gene. He's got no, no. Let's do. Come on, in this position. Come on, around here. And I'm like, "Okay, I've got no film in here, but I can't tell him because he's. I know what his reaction is going to be. He's not going to be happy to chat you, right? So, so I keep clicking away, keep clicking away, keep clicking away, and then. 
you know, and I'm like, right, I've definitely got the shot now. I've got at least five really good shots here you can use because these were going into his book as well and his magazine, which he had just released, as well as album covers and the video, DVD, etc. So, you know, so I'm sure he wants a variety for each different ones or whatever. So, um, (laughs) so then it just kept going on and on. It was got to the point of being ridiculous because everyone obviously knew I had a film camera and I was up to like 100 shot by now. There's no way I, any, there's no existing film out there that's over 100 shots in it. So I'm feeling like a real idiot One at this more. point. And plus I'm really worried at the same time, by the way, that he may remember a shot that I might have taken that he might want to see. And yeah. if he says, I want to see that shot number 98, there is no shot number 98 because it was taken air. Ah, you could just say the film was ruined or whatever, you know, something happened. Well, it would have been the same scenario, probably worse. Right. So anyway, I told him, finally told him, I said, Gene, I've run out of film. And everything just went boom. You know, you you know, you were talking about my my albums bringing you up and you know, mm-hmm. making you feel differently. His whole aura dropped like a ton of bricks, and everyone was down, and he was down. It was just like, dude, I just ran out of film, man. And then he, he, he I could see it in his face, and it was not a great look. And um, and you're like, I actually ran out of film seventy five photos ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not say that at all. Absolutely not. So so we pack up and we're walking together and I'm walking with Gene. And I look up and said, Gene, you know you actually hired me just to be the video director, right? <laughs> and his comeback was, this is Hollywood, baby, and you've just got to be prepared every time for anything. So I took that lesson hard and fast, man. And, you know, that was probably one of the best lessons I learned from Gene was that, yeah, be prepared every time. And from that day on, I always had a camera and a video camera with me since then. And I, I think, never, you know, what's true with that, too, never is missed like a da- be, damn be, thing. be open to opportunities at any time. Yeah, that's basically for example, was, Yes. Yeah, for yeah. example, I sit down on the plane on my way back to Toronto. And who sits next to me? She turns out to be the art directory of a gallery in Toronto. I'm like, oh, that's exactly. awesome. She's an art dealer and yeah. she has a gallery there. And she was really intrigued. She did not know what NFTs were. Really? Yeah. And most people you'd go, eh, NFT or whatever, right? She was there for Art Basel, but not with an interest in NFTs. No, yeah, I understand. A lot of people were. Sure. And so we started talking about it and she did the standard line of questions like, but what I mean, what what's why an NFT? Like uh, her concern was it doesn't feel like there's a soul to it like there is to physical art. There is. And just talking about how, oh, absolutely there is. Like, you know, as an artist, you know, you're creating, it's another medium. Like I came to a point where I think what she got was when I kind of went the route with her of, look, it's not going to eliminate these other forms of art. It's another medium by which we yeah. can express right exactly and you know i gave the example of uh emily lazar the singer from september morning and how she's had graphic novels she has you know uh stream music she performs live you can also buy you know probably i'm guessing vinyls of her stuff and a lot of people will buy special edition stuff like vinyls of an artist right and yep. maybe they only make a thousand of them right and it's something special about that 
And this is yet another means by which someone can collect something that has a sense of being special to yes. us, right? Exactly. And she got that. She understood that, you know? And so, yeah, it just kind of went from there. And yeah, it was just like my, my point being, you never know where you're going to run into people that can open exactly. up really interesting opportunities for exactly. you. Exactly. And I think that's what he was saying to you. And I think that's what he was uh, saying to me, you know, at the same time I was saying to him, you know, you should do a TV show because Ozzy Osbourne just came out and he said, no, 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 you can really die on TV. And the next thing I know, and I said, oh, I want to direct it. You know, if you do, next thing I know, he's got a TV show. Did he ring me up? Uh, <laughs> I feel like, mm, Gene, I kind shoot. of planted that Wasn't that scene. called the Family Jewels or something like that? Yeah, yeah, it? the Family Jewels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Gene, I thought, okay, I still remember telling you something about that. You were not going to do that. Anyway, um, so opportunities, exactly. He saw an opportunity right there and snatched it right out of my hand. So, but the, <laughs> I want to get to the funny part, though. The funny part of this and, and end this story, because we're not here to talk about them, Gene and although how wonderful they are um we get to the car and the limousine and normally i'm sitting in the back with him and filming everything that's going on right sure, photographing. Sure, sure. Yep. he made me, he made me sit in the front <laughs> he made me sit in the front of the limousine because he was so upset about me running out of film oh wow was hilarious. <laughs> it's like no so you're I part of staff you are not with me yeah, it is. yeah, yeah. So I had to, you know, film between the opening windows, which actually ended up being a better angle anyway because okay. it was so packed back there. Sure. So, um, but what I did, and I fixed it immediately. I rang up my buddy in Brisbane and I said, "Have you got your film?" He's a photographer. I go, you got your? Are you, are you busy? No. Do you want to come and shoot Gene Simmons and this posse that he's got with him? Oh, absolutely. All right, be at this hotel in five minutes and be there with your camera out ready. As soon as the car rocks up, start taking photos immediately and just, and we'll do this whole thing there. And as soon as the car rolled up, we all pile out and he starts taking photos, taking photos. And then Gene walks up to me and says, hey, is this guy with you? And I go, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I got him down here, you know, just to do this, you know, because I, yeah, you know, because I'm being prepared. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, Boys um, so we did we did this whole new photo shoot there and he ended up using both the photos from the from the airport and the ones there and the next day he patted me on the bum and said Remo you did a beautiful job yesterday and that was awesome that was an awesome thing you wanted to hear from him instead of, of a, you know instead of a uh, you know grumbling him being upset at you so you know these are the lessons you learn as you go along from being a young artist and not necessarily understanding all the nuances of how to get somewhere maybe and especially in the hollywood world it's really really hard and um you've just got to take each opportunity as they come and i think he, he taught me a big lesson there so but anyway from there you know that was you know i did a whole lot of other sort of video stuff and whatnot and um i went to japan to photograph a book so i found a publisher um, who was interested in my graffiti and um, and they wanted me to photograph graffiti, but they had just done a Melbourne graffiti book and that's how I found them. They said, oh, why don't, have you got any good ideas? And I said, oh, yeah, what about um, Japanese graffiti? There's no mm. Japanese graffiti book and I love Japanese graffiti. And they said, yeah, sure, okay, here's some advance, go and do some Japanese graffiti. So I went to Japan to photograph this um, book and met all these wonderful artists and stayed with them in their like one bedroom places, you know, all these 
<laughs> obviously, you'll tell you the, you might have thought our Airbnb situation was bad. Now this was like we were all lying together, like one <laughs> after the other, because <laughs> these rooms in Japan were so small. Right, and of these course, guys sure. Were so, and these guys were so young and inexperienced. And what I was able to teach them while I was there is that they can control their own. Because a lot of these fantastic artists that are painting um, 40 foot walls or 10 story buildings in Japan, they're construction workers and all this sort of mm. stuff. And they're not doing, they're not doing this full time, but mm-hmm. I was able to show them that they could. I feel my contribution to them, they gave me their time and their, their resources for free. They took me around and, you know, introduced me to all these wonderful artists where which I took photographs of and included me in paintings that, you know, I would be painting with the crews, which never happens in Japan. Like it's very rare for a uh, Japanese outsider, never mind a gaijin outsider to come in and paint with a crew of Japanese. A lot of politics mm-hmm. involved. But these guys opened up and at the same time I was able to show them how to put themselves out there and um and you know get their own website and this and that and now they're doing really well some uh, they're earning thousands they're painting all over the world the first guy that i hooked up with he's in london you know los angeles san francisco so it's fantastic to see these guys have evolved from being construction workers and doing beautiful art to now just doing art and that was that sure and and, and in some little way i feel like i might have um been able to inspire them to go in that direction Mm-hmm. That was really cool, and I fell in love with Japan, and and that's where I met my wife, and I ended up living there. So I went there to take photographs of a book, and I ended up living there for seven years. And, seven um, years you lived in Japan. Wow. Yeah. What brought so, you back to? Uh, do you live in Australia now, or in? The I started out in Australia. No, you live in LA. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I live in LA now. Yeah, I started in Australia, and yeah, well, started in England first, actually, yeah. and we went to Australia when I was very young, and then anyway, grew up and uh, grew up and went to art school there and whatnot and and did the DIY, DIY stuff there and whatnot and then went to Japan and so photographed those books and then there was another book came out of it which was uh, Drain Spotting which are beautiful drain covers spread throughout Japan. There's thousands and thousands of different designs. They're government sanctioned uh, street art. Basically they're not designed by artists. They are mm. um they are um, designed by the corporations that build these, you know, the cities. Okay. And okay. a lot of them hold mascots of a city. Say it's the, it's the space station is there or whatever, or this, you know, like like SpaceX or, or NASA. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they have the space shuttle on the manhole cover. They're beautiful. And Drain Spotting was a great success. That got me out to Hong Kong that I was um, creating where they did actually get me to create manhole covers for Hong Kong, including um, having competitions for other artists. And I was also a judge to judge which ones would be um, Mm -hmm. manhole covers for Hong Kong. And Singapore did the same thing. And this tiny little book, Six by Six, got me, yeah, got me there, got me to Singapore, got me to Hong Kong. Um, Yeah, sometimes it's just one little connection, right? Exactly, yeah. Won the New York Book Festival all that sort of stuff so that was really cool um and i was also working in visual arts and animation in japan so i I did a whole bunch of sort of animated manga style stuff and we um and i did the mtv music award backdrops for like uh uh, nelly and bono and fergie Mm. and Mm -hmm. mariah carey and 
um, Orange awesome. Crush and wow. Simple Plan, and it was it was it was awesome. Man, met Paris Hilton there, and <laughs> and short talked to Fergie for a while, and Bono, and it was it was a lot of fun, you know. Totally. Um, but at the same at the same time, I started my own company called Raven Books, well, partner with um, a friend of mine, and you know those guys that were graffiti guy. One of them was really great illustrator as well, like. Um, comic book illustrator so we hired him we bought him a laptop you know because these guys couldn't afford anything right mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. we gave him an apple laptop his first one ever he was so wrapped and um and we we created my first screenplay into a graphic novel 200 page graphic novel which exists and still exists to this day and it still hasn't been published yet it's been oh, published really? it's been published on we published self-published on ipad and it did really well we had over a million downloads wow but we haven't, excuse me, we haven't, um, so it's been published on, you might want to cut that out. <laughs> I don't think people care, dude. Okay, okay. <laughs> we, we published on iPad. It's been downloaded over a million times. And um, and then, but we never, ever found a publisher. We got real close many times, but we never found the publisher for this um, sort of, we called it Japanican, Japanican, um, Scar, the dark side of the mind. So you had a million was... downloads and you wouldn't, couldn't find a publisher. Yeah. What? We still, well, that doesn't yeah, make we sense. Still, we still haven't found a publisher for it. Yeah. And of course, I mean, we gave up in between. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah of course. But of course. I want to rehash it, rehash it yeah. now and bring it into the NFT space somehow. And... Hey, can we talk about your work more, more recently, your work on known origin? Tell me about, cause you're recent, recently having joined uh, known origin, as far as I know, you are on the platform sure. since. I was going to get there, but it's already been an hour, hasn't it? So. <laughs> okay, with, so yeah, I guess yeah. I guess I mean, the take with someone take with a this... career like yours, I mean, you could go forever. Yeah. But yeah, the take from this is that the take from this is I've been to, I've done a lot of stuff, mm. um, I guess. So now we're going to jump a, a whole bunch of years. So we, we'll jump through, you know. Uh, I was trying to build. Well, I figure this connected to, to your past, though, does it not? Like, there's a. It connection. does. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm bringing the whole thing up to the NFT space. So it's getting closer. So I'll just I'll run through that quickly. Then, so then I got into the iPad. So I did the first iPad sort of books from those books that I had photographed, and then I did um, Lovebots, which became number one uh, iPad app for kids, which were these ro uh, robot avatars, which you see everywhere now. Um, that kids could build and there were like millions of per permutation. So it was almost like a 10 K drop in a way yeah, yeah, you yeah. get this machine that had all these parts and the kids would put them together. Yes. Not, not an AI system, the kids, and then we would get them kids sending us back their, you know, their, their drawings or their buildings of their avatars. It was really cool. And they could mm. use them on their Twitter accounts and social feed and whatnot. And then I met Devo. I got introduced to Devo. I said, why don't we do Devo bots? So I showed them love bots and they really mm -hmm. liked the idea. So we went ahead and did that. And that was where my connection with Devo fell into. So I did Devo bots, which was the same thing. Basically you could build these little robot Devo bots, but with all of their accessories, you know, their hats and their artwork and all sorts of stuff. But at the same time, it was too, I was a bit ahead, a bit more advanced on this one. This one became two apps in one. You would slide from one to the other and on the other side you had a synthesizer and they they gave me like 1980s samples from archives stuff they've never used before and 
I used all them and you go on and use this sort of uh, machine that I created that slowed down the music or sped it up and you could add layers on it and you mm-hmm. could add samples on it and whatnot. So basically one side was a synthesizer, Devo synthesizer, and one side was a Devo, um, Devo Bots creator. So that was kind of the lead up to um, NFTs for me in a way because I was coding again and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And that is all, and all of my work has always been influenced by 80s pop culture and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. So, and, and legacy culture, like, you know, drawing from the past to bring to the future. So now I come to the known origin, which you just asked. Mm-hmm. Um, so that relationship with Devo on the Devo bots thing, that got me a drop this year with um, Jerry from Devo, Devo and mm-hmm. we did an NFT drop. This is not the known origin one, but this was a foundation one right. and a rareable one. And it's up there still now. There's still some stuff available. You can own the rights to his video and all sorts of stuff. It's just great stuff. And we worked together and we did a collaboration on his work. So it was really cool how that connected to something I did like 10 years ago with them. Sure. So, so being able to recycle these things, and he had no idea how NFTs worked. You know, he's 72 or whatever, and I had to explain that at all, you know. And um, yeah, and you know, don't have great expectations. We don't know what happens in this space, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. Yep. So, but we did a beautiful drop for him and the, the work, the works are exquisite. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for, so for the known origin drop, um, I was contacted by, and that's and the known origin drop. This, this is actually well into my NFT career now because I started maybe one and a half years ago. But so this is the last drop I did, which was just last week, and it contains photographs of the Beatles, Jimi Hendrix, um, Keith Richards, Sting, Bo Diddley, John Lee Hooker, Adam Ant, Bob Geldof, Pet Shop Boys, um, and a couple of others in there. It's a fantastic selection. It's awesome. I think my favorite um, is the Keith Richards, Richards one, the Sympathy for the Devil. Yes, that's definitely my favorite too. Is that right? Yes, Interesting. it is. It is. Yeah, and then and I'll tell you how that people came about. go and look at it. It goes into this animation with the music, and it's cool. And I'll tell you how I came about doing that. Um, mm-hmm. I'll just have a sip of water. Go ahead. By the way, folks, my voice is not usually this crackly. This is what <laughs> happens when you've been spending a week at Miami NFT. Ba- uh, Basel and all the other craziness and you get home and this is what your voice sounds like two <laughs> well, years yeah. later. Well, I'm talking about, we'll, we'll go back, we'll come back to Keith Richards, you know, talking about, we talked earlier about opportunities, you always got to be ready for anything. And, you know, there was that night where we ended up running into Ali Sabat. Sabat, yeah. Uh, Ali Sabat and Emily Lazar and such awesome people, right? And <laughs> they're like, Oh yeah, we're gonna go to another party. You want to come with us? It's like yeah, right. But, but what am know, I gonna say? Left, no, good night. You know what I mean. But you left an important thing out. We both knew them separately. So yes, we both knew them prior to the the event. To sure. the meetup. But it's just interesting that we both met up together, and then Correct. I guess in their minds, oh, these guys know each other. Well, they all must be cool. Then, we do you know? know each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's kind of cool, and we ended up hanging out with them all night. Yes, until five a.m. in the morning. It's it great. And here it's I am, crazy, but it was eating sushi with Ali Sabat, Emily Lazar, and like this little entourage. 
It's like, this feels really badass right now. This is super cool. Walking into like a VIP event and the bouncers just kind of stand aside as we all come walking in. You know, they didn't ask they us didn't nothing. ask for anything, yeah. Right? They knew who they were, so. <laughs> it's kind of like walking around with the rock stars. Like, it's like yeah. walking around with Gene Simmons. In fact, well, Sabah, I mean, Emily Lazar is a rock star, right? So is she Sabah, is, and Sabet is Sabah as big as Gene Simmons. <laughs> I, he's corrected me. He has introduced himself to me as Ali Sabat. I always thought it is? was Sabet. Initially, I thought it was Sabet. I thought it was French. It's not French. I always thought it was Sabet as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said oh. Ali Sabat. So, Sabet. Okay. So uh, I have to fight myself to say it the right way. I honestly, I often say Sabet instead. But anyway, um, yeah. just a wonderful friendly person and emily was super fun as well she's super pumped about nfts yeah yeah and you've done a collaboration with him and he and he offered the last word to me was give me a fist pump let's hook up in la and we'll do a collaboration so i'm like awesome wow that was the great ending to the night thank, no thank god i stayed there till 5 a.m falling asleep in my sushi that was a <laughs> highlight for me just sitting there I, at this little table a, chatting yeah. with them and I had a few highlights, but that was definitely probably one of the best highlights. Yeah. Oh, there was a few up there at the top there. Well, another highlight for me was this is the first time in my life I ever had this happen where I was at the conference and this person's kind of looking at me from a distance and it kind of comes walking over. And it's like, excuse me, sir, are you declined? I'm like, what the hell? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I seen you on your podcast, blah, blah, blah. It was just so surreal to have that. So the first time you've ever been recognized? That's what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Oh, isn't that? That's so sweet. It's, <laughs> that's, it's so addictive. Wait till you start getting recognized more and more, each time, which will happen with time. Well, the thing is, um, in this space, not a lot of people even necessarily see your face. Right? No, like, exactly. Realistically, you know, the only reason why I knew the people I knew, like, say, Emily, for example, was because I've had her on my show and then I was looking face to face with her, right? Talking. Exactly. Yeah. So you know what she looked like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Otherwise, I, I never would have known. I just have a Twitter picture with a, a freaking bored ape or something. I'm not how yeah. you're supposed to recognize that person. And I really don't show my face a lot around town either. And especially mm -hmm. having a graffiti background, that's what, you know, you just don't do that. But mm. but these days, it's not so, so bad. So, but I was walk. I had a similar experience. I was walking down the car park and someone from behind called my name out and like, I turn around, I don't know who the hell they are, you know? Like how, yeah. And how did they know who the hell I was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I turn around and there they are in the car. Hey, are you Remo? And I go, yeah, how you doing? How, did you, how the hell did you know it was me? And they pointed to my huge <laughs> bag that I forgot that I was carrying, which has my own, with my, it, it's my own yeah. tote bag, which has my name plastered across yeah, the bag, yeah, yeah. Remo, which I didn't how realize. How did he that. figure out who I am? <laughs> It was so funny, and it was like, oh, of course, yeah. But I, re and I, and it's not. I didn't even wear the bag for that reason. But then I realized this is a really good way for people to know who I am. So totally. it's really good, and it worked a couple of times. But I should um, make a tote bag with zombies on it, and then just walk around with it. Kind exactly. Of, yeah, know, yeah. On my side, and people can go, hey, is that the zombie guy? Is that? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Totally. I mean, yeah. Is it difficult uh, to design that? Is it difficult to? Like in terms of what is, tools do you use to design like a tote bag? Oh no! Funnily enough, I mean they have all the templates for you. You just—it's just like making an NFT. You oh, I see through, what you're saying. You know, okay. unless you're doing it all at home yourself, but that's ridiculous. Yeah, no, there's like Redbubble or Zazzle. Uh, I know what there's you're a couple about. of yeah, places yeah, yeah. out there that you. Type thing. Yeah, you go. Yeah, you go and make your own. 
content mm-hmm. from their stuff. And in this particular time, they had these really good tote bags. Like that's a really good brand. brand. And I did a bunch of them. Funnily enough, which I failed to tell you, is that was the image on that is my Genesis piece mm-hmm. that that I the first piece I ever dropped was that image. It's still up for sale. And it's probably possibly a bargain. your Genesis is still up for sale. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where? And I might have to might have to go up soon. Um, <laughs> on <laughs> it's at ten ETH on Crypto Pops on OpenSea. So, wow. Okay, I want to find this a minute. Uh, it's called Blood for Bitcoin. Blood for Bitcoin. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah, yeah, because there's a common version as well. Okay, okay, okay. The Genesis version is animated. The common version is not, and that floats around. That's that gets that's been being plastered all over Twitter quite a, quite a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. It currently is not for sale. You know that. Yeah, yeah, because I don't put, you know, yeah, you know, because if one someone wants it, they can make an offer. But oh, yeah, okay, okay, okay. And but usually it's around. It's been around ten. Have years. you got the point zero 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 one WEF offers? <laughs> you know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, all <laughs> the so time. <laughs> so annoying. Anyway, let's know, let's get back uh, to Keith Richards. You were telling me about Keith, that experience. Yes. Okay, so what happened was I had uh, this um, the the agency that I was um, repped by as a director they're kind of a famous family. So the daughter of the owner of great guns rang me one day, Ruby. And she was like, I've just gotten my father's archive. My father was Ken Griffiths, who's a celebrity photographer from the the eighties, nineties, eighties, seventies, sixties, and you know, all around that era, right up until he died. Actually, he died a few years back. And she said, I've got all these photographs and I want to make, and I know you do NFTs and I want to make them into NFTs. And this was probably mm-hmm. about April, six okay. months, seven months ago. And um, I just wanted some of your advice. And I said, well, why don't we just do a collaboration? I mean, I'm already in the space and people know my name mm-hmm. and and I can bring you into the space this way and your dad's legacy. And, and then we could, that way, at the same time, you'll get known and I'll, you know, we'll both help each other, basically. Sure. And she thought that was a great idea. And I said, but not only that, you know, people are putting these photographs up of these rock, you know, stars, and they're a bit dull. They're just the photograph, which is fine. Right. It's just fine. You know, I love mm-hmm. a photograph of, of whatever, Kurt Cobain eating a sandwich behind backstage or whatever. But what I said to her, I could do this. I could use my style and my remix, the way I remix stuff from analog into digital back into analog again and we could start off with my work starting in 2d animation and i could draw up the the photograph with all these elements within it and and end with the photograph as the mantelpiece reveal Mm -hmm. and she just thought it was brilliant immediately and i even came up and and we can call it 21st century music legends or pop icons or something like that and it just all happened just all instantaneously as soon as she told me because the funny thing was, when she said, I've got all these archive photos of my father's and, I'm, and I was start, and, you know, you must get this too. I, I get a lot of people ringing me up for NFT advice. Yep. You want to, you know, you want to be charging them $200 an hour, you know what <laughs> I mean? Because it really takes two or three hours to explain what NFTs are to some mm-hmm. of these people. So um, I'm kidding there, by the way. <laughs> so anyway, so she said that. 
And I didn't realize the photographs were going to be of the caliber that she started mentioning the names. Oh, yeah, we've got Keith Richards, <laughs> um, Jimi Hendrix, the Beatles. Oh, some, some uh, famous Adam people then. Okay. And, and that just blew me away because I had a like great the relationship with of all time. All time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, she told me that pretty quickly. But as soon as she said that, like before, I, you know, the time leading up to the conversation, I just thought they were just regular photographs of I didn't know her dad had done all this stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, and I didn't know what she wanted to talk to me about. So I wasn't able to look up anything. But that was great because it was a great surprise to me at that moment when she said on Zoom, you know, I've got these photos of Keith Richards and, and Jimmy. And I don't know what to do with them. I said, oh, I know what to do with it. I know what to I'll do. I'll build them. this beautiful animation and yeah. uh, no, bring they are. it They're into beautiful. The they are beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And so we got them. So we so we went to work on it, you know. And um, now the Jimi Hendrix one and the Beatles one are actually taken not by her father. They're taken by Bruce Fleming, who's an 84 year old wonderful man, still alive. And he was very skeptical about the whole thing, skeptical about the whole thing. He was not sure about it, you know. And so we've now given him a proven case. He just made a hell of a lot of money because mm -hmm. the Beatles sold to Mondor. And, um, and he's now telling us, well, I've got the who, I've got this, I've got Elizabeth Taylor, I've got... And so he started pouring out his collection. I've got more Gold Jimi mine. Hendrix. You know, I've done the Jimi Hendrix album cover. You can have that if you want. So I'm like, yeah, I'll have, I'll, I'll work with the Jimi Hendrix cover for sure. So what was funny is that he went from before seeing my work, you know, he couldn't understand the concept. At yeah, all. sure, sure. And then he, then finally we got to a point where I was able to show him how it was going to work, rough version, you know, and he said, oh, that's all right. And then finally got to the point where it was finished. And he comes back and he says, can you do something with the photo? Because my photo is looking boring now. <laughs> right, right. Like you and can't like, go back. You can't go back. Yeah. And I'm like, you're spoiled. No, your photo is the whole point. We're <laughs> building up to the photo crescendo. But I tell what you what I mean I is do. when you do see them in this form and then you go back to the original, this has so much more life to it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I just yeah. brought his photos to life just a little bit by moving them. And, and it's just a trick of the eye, you know, yes. they're slightly moving at the end and, and it just brings it. It just keeps it alive for that moment until it loops back to the start again, where you go, oh, here it comes again, you know. Yes. And um, it's really yeah. interesting. And the music as well, we we wanted to emulate each band. So that's not mm -hmm. the band's mu music at all. We didn't license anything. And um, and there's no copies in there at all. Um, it's just reminiscent. It's, it's just reminiscent of their sound. Mm -hmm. um, we're using similar chords and rearranging them how we... How we um, Similar instrumentation, so you know if it's like, Rolling yeah, Stones, exactly. you're gonna have the same kind of guitars. Yeah, and, and a bit of the shaker yeah, in that song, yeah, yeah. and then all of a sudden your mind goes there. Your mind is probably telling you that is that song, but you have to really fight against it. Even me, even though that I, I helped create the track, I'm fighting against me thinking this is their song. Is like, right. but it's not. It's yeah. so far, it's a pretty bizarre psychological twist there. Your brain can do some weird, real weird stuff with imagery <laughs> and and um sound so that's how that came about and then and then it took a really long time to find the right platform because we just weren't going to mm. put this on OpenSea. Mm. you know this was something we like just like that you know what i mean we this was something we needed to find a partner with sure 
So we started uh, looking. No, Norwich really is a fantastic platform for it. We wanted, yeah, we wanted to go with Nifty Gateway, Maker's Place, Known Origins, um, Super Rare. Yep. One of those we wanted yep. to go for. I think there was one other one. I can't remember now. Uh, we already had Foundation, so that wasn't a problem. Right. But um, so, and Foundation kind of was the last sort of choice. So we reached out to all of them, but but the guy who got back to us was from no, Known Origin, and he had been working with photography in Gettys for like 10 years or something. So he knew photography, he loved photography. Also, I find out they're from Manchester, so it sort of okay. fit right in there. Yep. And, um, and he Did you run into it. any of them at the booth in uh, Miami? And, and, I did, yeah, but not the guys that were working with me were not right. there, unfortunately. But so, but they were very happy with the drop, and they were very lovely people to work with as well. You know, I've worked mm -hmm. with some of these platforms, and they're not, you know, yeah, 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 so approachable. You know, oh, there's a problem, you know, because there was a couple of problems, and they fixed it immediately. These guys, they were just really nice about it. So, yeah, I really had a good time working with them, and they created. This someone's someone's angry in traffic just outside your house right now. Yeah, is that bad? Do we need no, to that's fine. You know <laughs> what though? We do need to wrap things up. I've only got a few minutes to spare. I, okay, no worries. They created this and they put it out. We got billboards out all over London, in Liverpool and everywhere. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. So go check it out. It's on my LinkedIn link it's, tree. I, I love and, these this um, collection. It's it's really nice. Good stuff. And you know, you're you're giving it your own flavor as well what i like is that you've taken elements that everybody immediately recognizes about these artists but you've taken it and it's it's also your expression right so yes it's cool i've tried to remix it in a way that captured my own personality but also brings out their essence mm -hmm. that makes so sense. what's what's yeah. uh maybe we can wrap up with uh what's going on with you here in the next few weeks Okay, yeah, I didn't talk about impact. There's a place, I, I mean, I run it tonight. We've actually got a party on. Uh, Do you? Um, yep, it's on in the Decentraland, Astromojis. It's all about mental health. Well, mm -hmm. I have this space. I host this space in, in Decentraland. Um, it's called NPACT. You know, we've now got a website. With the letter N going, as in Nancy. Yeah, N-P-A-C-T. Yep. So um, if you go to the front page, you'll find it on the front page anyway. We're, we're coming up to be the top um events provider on dcl and um tonight's art heist you can go in there and if you find either one of my artworks which is worth three so you get to keep it for free and there's nice. also an artwork by that um egyptian artist who ran the revolution marwa marwasan uh, i'm saying it wrong um but you'll be able to see on if you click on my if you go to my Twitter, you'll be able to find it there. Okay. But, um, Again, I'll put up your links on the bio gotta go to so the, people can see. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So just go to my Twitter. I'm just mm -hmm. saying his name wrong, but it's he. He's like the leader of the revolution of um, of uh, Egypt. And he can't go back to Egypt. He's banned from Egypt for painting there and all sorts of stuff. Wow. So he's a great artist. So there's a whole bunch of art you can go and steal from there. It's all on my Twitter. You can find it there. So, but this space in in the metaverse is all to do with um, helping human rights and doing good for social good. And I also work with Leyline as well, which is another company there's, that I'm working with that I, I'm, a, I'm 
art director on there and we're going to do this drop soon which is um possibly a pfp drop but that might be mm -hmm. changing but basically um it's nfts for social good you know mm -hmm. so if you purchase an nft it basically helps a family in the and another country that are impoverished mm -hmm. so there's a lot of sort of charity stuff going on there and cross bridging with each other we're talking to the david lynch foundation mm -hmm. um, about meditation space in the metaverse um there's you know there might be superstar wearables coming up in the metaspace universe and just things like that so that's pretty cool and then on top of that i've got an art blocks drop coming up coming up in the next two weeks and that's mm -hmm. called dream engine and again you can find all that on my um my twitter or on my link tree and that's going to be a lot of fun we're dropping two thousand pieces and it's called dream engine because you're going to be listening to the blockchain and seeing it dream and it's actually that's quite cool. a lovely thing yeah um and that's about that's it wild. really wow. the rest of my collection are out there you know you can go searching on open sea foundation don't buy meme um hen um and you're everywhere, man. you're everywhere. Portion. I'm everywhere. Just like declines everywhere. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, like you've been in this space. You've been uh, hugely important in this space for years, whereas I've just popped in in the last year. So, you know, it's it's an honor to have gotten to know you. And I consider you a friend, you know, and I really um, enjoyed getting to know you in Miami and I'm sure we will stay in contact with each other and that we will see each other in real life again. Are you sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure. Maybe you're not sure. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, I'm feeling exactly the same way. I'm, you know, I'm always rubbing him up, you know, the wrong way just to get a rise out of him. But that's, that's just probably when you do it in text. I can't tell if you're joking. <laughs> In text, it's really hard to do, by the way, but yeah, that's just is what Australians do. They rub friends up the wrong way all the time just to get a laugh out of them. Sure. Anyway, Canadians yeah, yeah. Well. yeah. I feel exactly the same way, you know. I feel like we've got a lot in common, a collaboration down the road, mm -hmm. all the stuff. And the cool. possibilities are endless, and um, I don't think that this friendship will stop when we press stop on this <laughs> podcast today. For sure. Well, I forgot hey, what we were doing there for a second, so it was like, I had to like, what are we doing? Oh, podcast, that's it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's been a pleasure, and I wish you all the best with all this amazing stuff going on, and yeah, that's so cool. Well, I, hope, I hope, guys, I didn't ramble on too much, and um, <laughs> I appreciate you listening. It's been a long, I have had a long career, and it's been, so I can't really tell it in a quick way, or, or although I did to, to one lovely lady the other day, although it was only the last two months of what I've done. And she was like, oh, you just run me over with a truck, it feels like. <laughs> no, that was funny. Okay. That's awesome. Anyway, I wish you all the best. Have an awesome time with all these exciting adventures you're a part of, and let's stay in touch. Yeah, no, I look forward to seeing you in, I think the next one is in LA, by the way, NFT LA is happening in fe February. I thought it was Vegas, but on the way on the plot. Okay. I'm anyway, going to have to figure something out for that. Let's figure this out. Yeah, awesome. there's going to be the next one's coming up around here. So sweet. Oh, sure. Now you. you don't have to go anywhere. Wow, look at this. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. So it's going to be great. Cool. Take care. So thank you for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. I feel like uh, I'm honored to be on the show with some of the best artists out there that I admire that have already been interviewed. Thank awesome. you.
cool. All right, man. Take care. Thanks, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the Non-Fungible Podcast. See you again soon.